Amen. I love this series. I love that video and the fact that those are all faces of people from your church pathway. How cool is that? Uh, Yeah, it's awesome what God is doing from generation to generation. And uh, one of the things I want to make sure that isn't missed, some of you know that we have our VIP comedy night this Wednesday. Anyone can come, but the heart behind this underneath of it is really to thank all of our volunteers. Some of them were in the video. Some of you have already registered to be there. Uh, But I want to just tell each and every one of you that volunteers during a given month here at Pathway or a given year, we couldn't be who we are without you you. And we are so appreciative of the way you use your gifts, your time, your talent, and the way you serve. Can we just give our volunteers a hand? And uh, if you haven't registered, you can still register and come out for this amazing comedy night this Wednesday. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We like to have joy around here. Hey, man. A little bit of laughter, right? It was so good, uh, that update we heard today. And uh, as we think about this series, I, I got thinking about, like, what are some of the trends uh, from one generation to the next? And so I stand before you confused in my own outfit, okay? I, I'm wearing jeans that are somewhat skinny, but not quite. Uh, they, they also are, like, I couldn't decide what to do with the cuff at the bottom. Do you roll? Do you peg roll? Some of you old enough to remember the peg roll? Okay, Uh, let me show you some generational trends uh, with jeans because I think we can all relate to this. Blue jeans actually started in the 19th century just as a practical way uh, to to work. And they didn't change for about 30 to 40 years. And then it was around the 1950s that culturally we started to see some of these jean trends. Here's the 1950s. Some of you might remember wearing some of these. You got the, the wide flare bell bottom, right? Here's the 60s. 60s are a little bit more of a a statement, if you will. This was a a cultural revolution was happening during this period of time. Jump to the 70s as that continued. Things shift a little. Some of you are recognizing items that may be in your closet or on you today. (laughs) And the good news is everything comes back around, right? Everything comes back around. Here's the 80s. And uh, here we go with the stonewash, right? How many of you, I, I had stonewash, jean jacket, pants, ch- yeah, yeah, and, and now they're back in, so, you know, there's that. 90s, jumping ahead, you start to see a little bit more uh, tailor and, and a little bit more fit and, and tears as well. Uh, we moved to the 2000s, and uh, you can again see, and, and, and I got to be honest, when skinny jeans started, I was like, oh, I'm left out. Like, I just don't have legs for that. You know what I mean? And, and, okay, too, too personal. My bad. Uh, yeah, that was awkward. Uh, two, here's the 2010s, and uh, this is to some degree where we're at today. And as we move into the 2020s, we'll see what happens next. But it, it's interesting from generation to generation how some things stay constant, how some things change. And what I want to talk to you about today is actually the idea of in all of the cultural pressures and trends that we face, what does it look like for us to live for more? To actually live for more than what's around us and happening, some of the the trends and the pressures that are occurring. Uh, Turn with me to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, and and we're going to move through the first three chapters of Daniel uh, today. And as we do that, what you're going to see are some youth and young adults. Sometimes we need to be reminded that, that often God moves in the next generation to wake up 
the previous generation. And in Daniel, God is moving with the youth and the young adults, these young men that are carried into captivity, that are actually under siege by an empire called Babylon. And this Babylonian empire is carrying away people captive. And and as this unfolds, you're going to see four young men that are living for more, that are living for more than what the world is trying to feed them literally and what the world is trying to do to them. Let's pick up in verse 3 of Daniel chapter 1. It says, Then the king commanded Espenus, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel, both of the royal family and of the nobility, youths without blemish, of good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace, and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. So this king, Nebuchadnezzar, says, go out and get the brightest and the best among them and bring them in to our culture, to our empire. Verse 5, the king assigned them a daily portion of the food that the king ate and of the wine that he drank. They were to be educated for three years. At the end of that time, they were to stand before the king. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah. And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel he called Belshazzar, Hananiah he called Shadrach, Mishael he called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. Now, for some of you that have been around church and around the Bible for a while, you recognize the names that are given there. The names that are given to the three that are trying to bring them into something else. If you're taking notes, living for more means that we're living for more of God's identity in a hostile culture. You and I are living in a hostile culture right now. A culture that doesn't necessarily support or appreciate the values, the principles that we learn in the Bible about who our God actually is. It's a culture that is attempting to define us and redefine us in ways that are quite harmful. And this is what they were facing then. And we need to be sure that we're choosing Jesus to define us, not the things around us. Let me break this down for you for a minute. You see, cultural consumption is something that all of us face. Did you catch in there that it was saying that that actually they were going to be educated according to the Babylonian Empire, to the Chaldeans, that, that there would be three years of training and education provided? Whether our kids and the next generation is in school that that we've hand-selected or they're in a public school or a homeschool environment, education matters deeply in every generation. And we have to be awake and aware of what's happening in that educational process. That, That in fact, for them, and even for us, there are pressures and messages that are coming at our kids. Do you know that social media probably has more of their attention, more of their time, and more of what's educating them than often our schools or our homes? And definitely more than our churches. There's actually a trend recently called devious licks. Some of you are young enough to immediately go, how did he know? It's on TikTok, and it went viral 
And kids were being influenced to actually do vandalism within their schools. There's cases being prosecuted already for what happened over the last couple of weeks. There's a pressure. Social media educates us, informs us. There's also something that's happening there with cultural consumption uh, around eating. You know, it's actually said that they are going to eat from the king's table. And, And there's something in there that's trying to create a dependency on the king. Something that's trying to actually tie them to him being the provider of their daily bread, not God. But it gets worse. It goes further. You see, they renamed them. And the renaming actually was to invoke the help of the Babylonian false gods. These false gods were Marduk, Bel, and Nebo. Let me show you what I mean if you look at the renaming. Daniel, his name actually meant, in the Hebrew, God is my judge. But when he's renamed Belshazzar, it actually meant, O lady, protect the king. The name itself was to demasculate him. Second was Hananiah. His name meant Yahweh is gracious. But that name was to become Shadrach, which meant I'm very fearful. How many of you know there's something in a name? The third one, Michelle, was who is what God is, which was a name that meant that God is different and better and holy and powerful and more great than anything we could ever hope or imagine. But he was renamed Meshach, I'm of little account. Azariah meant Yahweh as helper. Yahweh being the most, one of the most significant names of God in Scripture, so holy they wouldn't even utter it, meant Yahweh as helper. But Abednego meant servant of the shining one. These names were meant to be lids and labels that would keep them captive in this foreign culture. And maybe some of you have been called or named some things that aren't what your God says about you. Maybe some of us have been called, hey, you're a loser. You're lazy. You're a liar. You're a cheater. You're a drunk. You're a fake. You're a fraud. You're hopeless. You aren't worth it. You are a mistake. You are fill in the blank. Because my guess is at some stage in your life, there was someone who spoke a lie and a name over you that wasn't what God said about you. And when we begin to understand that and see that, we begin to to act differently. We begin to say, no, God, I need to live for more of your identity. I had things spoken over me in childhood that only in my 30s and now 40s have I really been able to deal with and heal from? You have a God who says something different about you, and my prayer and hope is, is that you discover his identity and his name, and you push away any name that has been spoken over you that is hostile and not from our God, amen? And so these four young men had a choice. Let's read on to see what happens next. In verse 8, it says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. 
And God gave Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the chief of the eunuchs. And the chief of the eunuchs said to Daniel, I fear my lord, the king, who assigned your food and drink. For why should he see that you are in worse condition than the youths who are of your own age? So you would endanger my head when the king. Then Daniel said to the steward from whom the chief of the eunuchs had assigned over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, don't you love that they're called by their given God, God-given identity there? He says, test your servants for 10 days. Let us be given vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance and the appearance of the youths who eat the king's food be observed by you and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them in this matter and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance and fatter in flesh than all the youths who ate the king's food. So the steward took away their food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables. As for these four youths, God gave them learning and skill in all literature and wisdom. Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in the chief of the eunuchs, brought them in before Nebuchadnezzar. The king spoke with them, and among them all, none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king acquired of them, he found them ten times, say ten, ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all his kingdom. You see, if we're going to live for more, we need to live for more of God's presence over cultural presence. Play on words. Pretty clever, huh? My hope is that you see the truth of this. That, that they had the opportunity to receive from the king's table all of the best food and all of the best things. And, and there's debate on why they didn't want to do that. But one of the reasons is likely that food was often seen in the worship of false gods. That, that in fact, their stance against and saying, no, we, we want to be dependent on God, not on man. That, that they were saying we could receive all of those presents, all of the things the world could offer us, but we want to be set apart. We want to be different. We want to be those he's called us to be. Our identity will not be wrapped up in the world. Do you see how they lived for more? And so they actually were choosing Jesus not just to define them, but provide for them. Because it was a risk to fast for 10 days and to hope you turn out looking as good as the others, right, was a risk. But they were trusting that God would provide for them and would take care of them. This is what living for more means, is choosing Jesus ultimately as our provider. Think about what are the things in your life that maybe have crept in Things that maybe you're leaning into and depending on that aren't God. For them, that fast helps set them apart. And those of you that call Pathway Home, you know that prayer and fasting is important to your pastor. And there's a reason for that. Because I've seen over the last 16 years of pastoring and praying and fasting in my own life and in the life of a church, that it helps us step aside and back away from things that we might be depending on that aren't God. 
that actually fasting plays a vital role. And for you, that may be food like it was for them. For you, it may be that you've got to set apart and set aside some other things in your life that you're depending on instead of the Lord. Every Wednesday, I've started a New Wine Wednesday. What New Wine Wednesday is, is out of Luke 5 saying, we're going to pray and fast and believe every Wednesday that God wants to pour something new into his people. We're depending on him for guidance, for vision, for strategy, to set us apart and to do something new. Can I get an amen, church? And so I want to invite you to be a part of that. One meal, two meals, three meals, whatever the Lord leads. To just say, hey, on Wednesdays, we're going to believe that our God is going to provide his presence more than some of the things maybe we're relying on. And this is so critical in their story. They're living for more. And did you notice what happened is God's favor showed up. When we're depending on God, when we're radically and wholly his, his favor and blessing shows up. They're held captive in a foreign culture under an emperor that's trying to indoctrinate them and steal their identity. And yet it said they were what? How many times more? Ten times. Ten times more wise, more discerning. I just wonder if any of you have believed that your God wants to show up in your workplace. That your God wants to show up in your neighborhood, in our community, in your school. That if you would get apart from those things enough to allow him to be present and to fill you, that you know what? God does know better than you. If he's created everything. He surely has the wisdom to do your job, even though you would say, oh, well, this technology didn't exist at the beginning. No, but the materials and the inspiration for it did. Y'all, our God is far more practical. He's not just here on Sunday mornings or online with you right now. He is a God that is available and able to show up and be present in every situation. And this is what they were seeing is, is God was with them in such a way that he, as they had set apart and depended on God, all of a sudden God started blessing them and promoting them in the workplace. They began to get lifted up to new heights within this foreign kingdom. Not because they were submitting to that God, but because they were so submitted to our God. Amen? Let's read on and see what happens next because I can tell we're in some uncomfortable space and we need to stay there and see, right? We need to understand that what was relevant then is relevant today. So as it goes on, they're promoted. Nebuchadnezzar the king has a dream in chapter two. And in that dream, there's things that unfold and happen and nobody can interpret it. He gets angry. He's ready to kill all of the magicians, astrologers. Think of psychics. He's ready to take them all out. He's had enough. Included in that would be Daniel and his friends. So Daniel goes to his friends, and this is so important and such a reminder that none of us need to go the road alone. We have a God who wants to be with us, and he places us in community with each other. We need each other. Rugged individualism is not from the Lord. God wants us to depend on and do life with one another. So Daniel leans into his friends and says, Can you pray? Can you go to God on our behalf? I I believe God wants to give an answer, but I can't do it without your prayers and his help. 
Picking up in chapter 2, verse 44. It says, and in those days of those kings, the God of heaven, he's beginning to interpret the dream. He's beginning to say, Nebuchadnezzar, there's something better coming. You think your kingdom is the best, but there's something better on its way. He says, it will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever Just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand, and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, a great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. This dream is certain in its interpretation, sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar, can you picture this? This foreign king fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, or Lord of kings, and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and the chief prefect over all the wise of Babylon." Daniel made a request to the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained in the king's court. If we're going to live for more of the third point today, we need to be living for more of God's promotions, which come with the preparation for the inevitable problems. Y'all, that'll preach right there. I could do a whole sermon series on that line alone. You see, they were dependent on God, wholly dependent, And when the moment came, they walked through the open door. And through that open door, God promoted them. But what would happen next was they would experience problems. Every level of lift, every level of promotion will come with more responsibility, which also leads to what? More problems. We live in a world that is fixated on promoting self on desiring more of what we want, more of that ladder climbing, whether it's in social media or whether it's in person. And what I'm submitting to you today is you see in these young men's story that they depended on God, they trusted God, and they knew when God's ready, God will promote me. And when God promotes me, I'll be ready because he's shaped me, he's refined me, he's prepared me, for what's next. And I'm standing before you right now in this moment, not as Pastor Brian, but as Brian Bennett, a Christ follower who will tell you that for 14 years, God was preparing me for this moment to come to Pathway. That when it was time, God said, okay, they're ready, you're ready, and we're gonna bring this together. And I can tell you there's not a week that goes by that I don't realize that some of the things I went through, some of the things I've been through were preparation for where I'm at today. And I'm here to give you a little hope if you're in the space where it hurts and it's painful and you're ready to give up, do not bow to another God. You keep following Jesus, you stay the course, and you know when he's ready, he will promote you to the next level. You don't want to get ahead. You don't want to get ahead of his promotion or the preparation for the promotion. Because there will always be problems at every level. 
But God had prepared them and they knew how to respond. Choose Jesus to promote for you. That's a cultural difference that is so important. Because many of us get caught up in thinking that the grass is green or somewhere else. We're living in what many sociologists right now are calling the great resignation. As a generation of people begin to resign from one line of work post-pandemic to do something else. God may have you make a move, but let's make sure we understand that grass on either side of the fence is still grass. Friedman said it this way. He said that the grass is only greener when you're not caring for your own lawn. Oh, church. If you're not taking care of what he's given you today, of course something else is going to look better. We serve a God that says, hey, right in the middle of where you're at, be faithful, keep serving, do the work, let him take care of you. Because when you get promoted, it just means there's more grass to take care of. And if you aren't taking care of and learning the lessons now, you won't be ready for what's next. So God promotes them. God gives them favor. That continues, and we jump ahead because what happens is after that dream, Nebuchadnezzar makes a golden image, an idol, something that literally everyone in his kingdom is now to bow down to. So we have four young men who are living for more. Not more of what that kingdom offers, but more of what God has for them. And there's a moment where this idol is created, and they're all told, you're going to bow down, you're going to submit to this. And they have a decision to make. And let's see what happens and unfolds in chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered. You see, I forgot to tell you this important part. To not bow down would be to receive the death penalty, to be thrown into a fiery furnace. You think you're under persecution. You think it's hard for you to follow God or me to follow God in this day and age. They literally had to choose between life and death, and will I trust God in the face of this fiery furnace? Verse 16, they answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them in to the fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the five, or fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar. So can you picture this? 
They've been thrown into the fiery furnace. The people that throw, threw them in are burned up and die in the process. They're in the furnace. And it says this, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. And he answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the appearance of the fourth is like the, of the Son of God's. God is a deliverer. God is a healer. God is with us, and in that moment, God was with them for something more. If you're taking notes, living for more means of God's connectivity and community, which removes cultural idols. Do we see what's happening here? There's a cultural idol created. And because they're connected to God, because they're connected to each other, they do not bow. And this again is why it's so important that we understand that we need him and we need each other, church. If we're going to stand in a hostile culture and not bow to false gods, not bow to the idols that our culture presents to us, we have to to be together with him and with each other, connected. And they trusted God. They, they chose that Jesus would lift them. They believed that, that Jesus would be present. And I love, I, ever since I was a kid, I loved this story. Can you imagine what it was like for Nebuchadnezzar looking in and to see a fourth person? Some scholars, there's debate, is it an angel? Likely. Is it an appearance of Christ? Maybe. But what we know is the same God shows up in our life. The same God that showed up in that fiery furnace when they were facing hostile persecution. They trusted that even if it didn't work out, God was going to deliver them one way or another. And I'm here to encourage your faith today. I'm here to encourage you to live for more. To not bow down to the idols and the things that our world is presenting us. What are some of those idols practically? Maybe it's your career that you're bowing down to. You're serving it more than serving God. Maybe it's your education. In my story, yes, I have a doctorate degree. I don't talk about it often because... Something God gave me and allowed me the opportunity to do. What a lot of people don't know is that in 2007, as I was getting ready to move from my master's to my doctorate, the Lord showed up in a service in Pasadena, California. The question was asked by the speaker that night, what's standing in the way of the kingdom of God in your life? And I realized it was my education. That in that moment in time, it had become an idol and something I was serving. And God was saying, lay it down. Will you lay it down? Will you let it go? Will you place it at the foot of the altar? By God's grace, I did. And 30 days later, after speaking with Cindy and listening to the Lord, he showed up. And he moved us to a new community to start a new ministry that I never could have started. Never could have experienced those incredible 14 years there if I would have kept serving my timeline and what I thought I needed. 
Six years later is when God said it's time to pick it up and to finish your education. I don't know what it is for you. Maybe yours isn't education. Maybe yours is your career. It's influence. It's money. It's material possessions. But here's what I know is when we lay it down, God shows up with the next thing he has for us. You see, our world is hostile and will often try to get us living for more of what it wants to hand us. And I'm here to tell you, our God is a God who shows up in the fire, in the mess, in the middle, and he says, come to me. Come to me, I have rest for you. Like how many of you could just use some rest? Not like a couple more hours of sleep, but rest in your soul. Let me just read to you from Matthew 11. And what Jesus offers us in a moment like this. More of what we need, maybe not more of what we wanted. And we serve a good God that when we delight in him, gives us the desires of our heart. In Matthew 11, it says, Come to me, all who, are li- all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There is a yoke that the world is trying to put on you and I every day. And my prayer and hope is we're like Daniel and his friends. That we say, no, we're not going to take that yoke. That yoke we're laying down. That yoke we're letting go of. We're going to put on Jesus and all that he has to offer us. So three questions to close today. Next steps for you and I. Are you ready to choose Jesus today and live for more? Maybe you're somebody that all you've tasted is religion or church. You're like, I didn't, I didn't know Jesus cared about Monday through Saturday. I didn't know that Jesus cared about every day and wanted a relationship with me. If that's you today, we want to help you, whether you're online or in person, step into a real relationship with Jesus Christ. But some of us, you've got the relationship, but you haven't been living fully for him. Secondly, is Jesus or culture defining you? You know, Daniel and his friends stepped aside from the cultural pressures. So let me ask you, what's defining you? And third, are there any idols in your life that you need to place at the foot of the cross? Any idols, any things you've been chasing that God's saying today, lay it down and let go. Let, take up my yoke. Take up what I have for you. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to go into a song, Refiner. This song talks about God's refining work, which sometimes can feel like a fire. But it's God purifying and preparing us for what he has next. Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you for this moment. We thank you that we can live for more. And we thank you for Daniel and his friends, their example to us. I pray individually we would learn and let go today. I pray corporately you would build a community of people, men and women, that are banding together to say we're going to live for the king, the real king. 
So Jesus, right now, we just invite you to show up, whether it's online or in person, to find a people that are looking to you. I pray that we would find rest by following you today. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand and worship him together. If you're able to stand, the altars are open. If you need prayer, come forward. Lay it down. Let's let go. Let's look to him in this time.
Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you that you offered your son Jesus and that we find life in you. And here is our life. We want to live for more. So I pray that you would be with us this week in that, that we would continually lay down the things not of you, that you would lift up the things of you. God, we thank you for what you are doing. Continue to be with us. May we love you and love all people in our pathway. And be the people in the church you've called us to be. We thank you for the victory. May we walk in it and walk in your favor this week. In Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. Amen. Hey, real quickly, uh, if you still need prayer, want to talk online or in person, we're here for you. Visitors, come out those doors. We've got a gift for you. If you want to see the youth facility, it's open. And one more thing, a little bit of a victory. Thank you for those of you that supported uh, the staff's GoFundMe for uh, Nate Adams. Uh, it is fully funded, and we're able to supply that $4,000 to his family. So just wanted to share that with you. Thank you for being that kind of church. Go now and be the church. Have a great week.